Okay, so we're gonna do something new here on Writing Hacks. Um, one of the things that I've always wanted to do was to bring the input of real authors that are actually doing this. And this is for those of you that are that are new to the space or for those of you that have been in the space but don't have a large like circle of, of authors that you work with or or you just don't know a lot about the um, about the environment. So this is something we're gonna be doing on a regular basis. And uh, this is a bit more of a long form podcast. So without further ado, I am getting ready to sit down with Carrie Holloway. Here we go. Let's get down to the nitty gritty right away. Um, tell me who you are, tell our listeners who you are, and then let's go into what you write. Um, okay, that's a tall order. I'm Carrie Holloway. I'm from the southern part of Georgia. I'm a stay-at-home mom to two fabulous troublemaking girls. And I enjoy writing and formatting books for others. Um, I've wrote everything from romance to paranormal to even some horror. So what's your uh, what's your preferred genre? Romance and paranormal. Do you, do you combine the two or do you keep them separate? A little bit of both. Uh, I have a straight romance series, The Laughing Pea, and then I have a standalone romance novel, and then I have a, an entire paranormal urban fantasy romance series as well. Well, let's let's dig into that one for just a minute. If you had to sum that one up in a paragraph or two, that series, the, the entirety of the series, not book by book, but the entirety of the series, sum it up in a paragraph or two for me. What happens when... The supernatural community can't be policed. You call in basically a SWAT team, and that's what Alex and her team is. They work on the gray area of what's right and not. Sometimes they're the villains, and sometimes they're the good guys, and it's just a judgment call of what's right and what's wrong. So would you say this if... Okay, so there's romance in this one. Am I, am I correct? Yes. Okay, so... Would you say this one leans more towards the paranormal or more towards the romance? More towards the paranormal. And for those that are paranormal fans, what are we looking at? Are we looking at action paranormal? Are we looking at uh, magic paranormal? Are we looking at sci-fi paranormal? Uh, just regular paranormal? Um, kind of, uh, kind of describe it's that. It's got a lot in it. Um, there's magic users, shifters. The main character Alex is a kitsune, which is a fox demon type thing. And her other two teammates is a were-cougar and a werewolf. And then we have uh, fairies and gods and forgotten gods and uh, wraiths and devas. And basically, if you ever wanted every single possibility into a single universe, this is it. Oh, geez. That sounds absolutely fantastic. What's, um, what's the time frame set like? Is it modern day? Is it in the past? Is it in the future? Very modern day. And is it, a, um, is it a blending of our world and that world, or is it all completely that world? It's a blending of our world, and then there's another world that magic originally leaked from. And so sometimes we're in that world, like um, Mark of Cain, and then most of the books are modern-day Earthside. So you say most of the books. How many books are in this series? So far, four, and I'm working on the fifth one now called Orb Collector. Oh. Sounds good. You got a uh, you got a, a contemplated release date. I mean, we all we all know that those go to the wind once they go to the edit. But you got a date you're shooting for? Um, late 2019. If I can get 
some kinks worked out of it. Nice. Absolutely nice. So, so you've written a lot of different things. You've, you've, you've tinkered in a lot of different genres, but it seems like this one is your, uh, this one's your baby. This is the one where you kind of found your stride. Is that correct? I don't know. I think it's my baby because I remember starting to write it in high school. And granted, the storyline has changed drastically from what it was when I was in high school. But the characters have been part of my imagination for so long that I tend to want to baby them a little bit and not want to see them do things that they're supposed to do. Mm, okay. So it, it's a conflict of overparenting in some spots. <laughs> it's always hard when you're the person writing to not overparent. Sometimes some stories, there's no chance to overparent. They just, they flow so well and the characters just seem so perfectly packaged for that storyline that it, it just unfolds like silk. And then other ones you're like, there is no way this is going to fit into this character inside the storyline and work. And it either works or they do a 180 and it's like, where did that character flaw come from? Gotcha. Gotcha. So, so, so let me ask you this. Um, when you have a story that is not unfolding for you, when you are, um, when you're, when you're maybe writing in these other genres or even when you're writing in this genre and you come up to an obstacle that you're having difficulties getting past, what do you do to solve that problem? I read it from the beginning. Oh, so you start back at the beginning and you just start reading again, huh? I read it from the beginning to see where did something not align for me to have this roadblock. Sometimes it's something so out of character and it, it's not even that big out of character. It's just characters ABC and this one plot point might be an E and you got to figure out why can your character not do that. And sometimes you've got to figure out maybe it doesn't have to be your main character. Maybe it's a side character that can solve that. Gotcha. So, you know, here on this show and, and on the other videos, we, we do talk a lot about um, motivation, about how to get around obstacles and things like that. And it seems like that advice is absolutely amazing. Um, I would definitely recommend that to anyone listening to follow how you solve that roadblock. But do you experience roadblocks a lot? Um, sometimes I don't really call them roadblocks. I I think they're. um moments where you just don't have the mentality to write and it's not a roadblock it's to write flawlessly you have to be in the zone and we're not always in the zone when we first start writing we're in that zone constantly because we don't understand all the little nuances but as you get more seasoned i think what people term as roadblocks aren't exactly roadblocks it's mental fatigue Gotcha. So you're just, you're kind of over it at the moment and you need to take a break. And when that happens, I go to playing video games like Hearthstone, World of Warcraft, Final Fantasy 14, Smite, anything that is somewhat creative and like how you play style wise, but it's not mentally draining to play. Gotcha. Gotcha. So you're, you're seeking, um, you're seeking a, uh, an inspiration from an outside muse. Gotcha. That's, that's actually a pretty clever way to go about it. Um, so before we get really deep into like, uh, your writing style and your techniques and, and how you do all that stuff, I really wanted to talk to you about KH formatting. Is this, this is something you're still doing, correct? Yes. I've been doing it for almost three years now. 
Okay, and 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 walk me through. Give me a um, give me a you know a, a one minute to a two minute commercial of what KH formatting is and how it helps other writers. Sometimes we're so close to wanting perfection that we don't realize we don't have the tools for it. Like we we want it to look a certain way, but we don't know how to get it that way. We think we got it a certain way, but then when we go to actually like upload it, we discover I screwed up somewhere. So in publishing myself, I ended up learning quite a bit about formatting in general. And I realized a lot of people were using systems like Vellum and other new authors would come up and they need something changed in this, or they need something changed in the front matter or the back matter. And they'd have to keep going back to their formatter to get it changed. And I'm like, there's better ways for newer authors who don't have $300 to drop on a program and spend four weeks learning how to do it. They might only publish one or two books a year. So I wanted something that was affordable that was in a program that they were familiar with, which is why I prefer Microsoft Word, because not only do I provide them the EPUBs and the Mobis with and without covers, the blurbs and the eBooks, the PDF, I also provide them with the Word document for the print and the eBook file. So if they need to update something, they don't have to come back to me. That's they can sit there, change it and upload it. That's fantastic. That's, that's an amazing service. Um, so for our newbies out there, you, you dropped a couple of words that um, I understand, but they may not. You mentioned EPUBs and Mobis and things along that. Since we're talking about formatting, uh, give me a super brief rundown of what an EPUB is and what a Mobi is. I mean, I know they're ebook formats, but but how do they how do they okay. fit in? Yeah, the three formats people generally see is a PDF, which is for print books like your paperbacks and your hardbacks. Your EPUB and your Mobi are ebooks. But Moby is Amazon specific. Amazon has the package for it. They are the only distributors of Moby files. EPUB is what you would get from Kobo, Google Play, iBooks, Barnes and Noble. They're more of a widespread book format. And I prefer to take the EPUB and upload it even to Amazon because I think it provides a better quality than just uploading a Kobo or not a Kobo, a Mobi or a um, Word document. It, it's better packaged. Mm, gotcha. So I'm going to put your, uh, your contact information in the description of this video or this audio, excuse me. Well, it'll be a video, but it'll be one of the, you know, the EQ things that I do. Um, but I'm going to put your information in the description, but why don't you go ahead and, and give, uh, give me the, you know, the web address and, and contact information and so on and so forth. Uh, everything can be found from my main website, uh, carryholloway.com and my formatting is all the way to the right side of the screen. Um, I'm also on Facebook at KH formatting and, uh, my email address is khformatting at gmail.com. Awesome. So I definitely recommend that anyone listening to this should should take a few minutes and go and check out Carrie. Uh, she's pretty fantastic. Uh, so now let's get into the nitty gritty. Here comes the fun questions. Are you self-published or are you a traditionally published author? I have works that are done under both. Um, which do you prefer? Self-publishing. Why? More control. It's... What, what control do you feel you have? with 
because so, I'm, I'm a self-publisher myself. I, I'm absolutely in love with it. But from your standpoint, from your experience, what do you appreciate more about self-publishing? What do you get greater control of? Over I set the deadline. It's totally about the deadline. If I'm not happy with a book, I don't have to send it to the editor right away. If I'm thrilled with this book two months early, I can contact my editor and go, hey, I got the book a little early. You got time? And they'll fit me in a little sooner. I don't have a two-year window to wait for something I wrote a couple of years ago to finally hit the shelf. I, I can sit there and go, I didn't like working with that editor or that cover designer. Let me find someone that click with better. And then when it comes to experimenting, I love experimenting with new ways to do front matter, new ways to do back matter, what promos to stack on what days, what price points work better. And sometimes if I just feel like it, I can put a book free and not worry about someone getting there up in a fit about it. It's liberating. Seems like a. Uh... Seems like you, you, you definitely enjoy the freedom of tradition, I mean, of, uh, of independent publishing, um, self-publishing. What are your preferred avenues of self-publishing? So I, I know that you can, you can go through um, uh, KDP, no problem. A lot of people can do that. A lot of people do do that. But some people tend to go through other places like they, they won't go to Amazon uh, they'll go straight to like uh, straight to Kobo or something like that. They'll do everything independent of Amazon. What do you do? What is your your path forward? I don't need the nitty gritty details, but just kind of run me through. You've written the book. It's been edited. You have completed it and it's ready to be published. Walk me through your process. Well, I can't ignore Amazon. They're 80 percent of the market. Uh, I prefer Google Play, Kobo, and then I use draft to digital to hit everybody else. Okay. And where do you see the largest majority of your sales coming from? Google Play. Really? Yes. That's actually kind of surprising. I, uh, I, 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 I didn't expect to hear that answer, to be honest with you. Uh, for most of the year, it was Kobo, Amazon, and Google Play. But after my books had been on Google Play, I think like six months, there was this huge spike and they pulled the lead. They've been in the lead since October and they grossed me more than Kobo or Amazon. Wow. That's actually pretty amazing. Like I've, I've, uh, this is the first, um, success story I've heard as far as, uh, as far as Google play goes, we all know that Google play is, is quickly becoming a powerhouse in, uh, in podcasting networks and, uh, in in audiobooks and things like that but i did not know that they were going to uh knock it out of the park for you like that that's that's pretty fantastic i think they're a slow burn i think you have to be there long enough for them to think you're not going to leave do you feel like they have a, a unique algorithm that that is based on your time there or do you think it was just an anomaly the way it worked for you i think it was an anomaly because their their dashboard's a little underwhelming and so the promos are really hard to like see an effect on you can't really manipulate the data to see exactly what works mm, okay i got you so so there i guess basically what you're saying is is once you're into google play you're kind of at their mercy for a good bit of things but that seems to be changing because they've been doing more and more uh 
surveys. They've been sending out surveys almost monthly now about what would you like to see improved? How do you like this service? How do you, how does this compare to the other ones you use? So it's like they're taking the feedback and they're got something in the works. Now what you're getting through them, what, what, what you're, I guess the, the product that you are delivering to your readers through Google play is strictly ebook, correct? Yes. They do not handle print, correct? Correct. Okay. So do you find that your royalties are greater through Google Play or through Amazon? They're about the same, actually. Maybe a penny or two difference. Okay. And um, what is like, um, I know you said that their their dashboard was a little underwhelming and, you know, nothing to write home about. But do you feel like, um, do you feel like you have enough control that a novice could get in there and upload their book successfully and, and be able to tinker around at least a little bit? Oh yeah. It's, it's very streamlined. It's just, and you can't really mess it up. Hmm. It, it walks you through step by step and it's got a little help button on every little piece of it. Those are always so fantastic. God, I love those help buttons. Do you, do you have a, um, a specific, a specific way that you like to, to, to upload your things? And, and let me, let me elaborate on that thought. So when you're on YouTube, if you're trying to get people to just read uh, or uh, to watch a video, a lot of people will use what's called a clickbait title. Um, do you feel that through Google Play and Amazon, it is necessary to use some sort of clickbait title? Or do you prefer to just go straight with the information that you use for your books? I prefer to go straight because you never know when the, these giants are going to crack down on something. Just like Amazon's recently been cracking down on covers and keywords and trying to keep people out of categories they're not supposed to be in. If you're trying to not shoot straight, you never know when your books are going to come on that chopping block. Well, that's a good way to look at it. So, so play by the rules so you don't get caught by the cops. Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah. And, and there's better ways of getting your book in front of people without padding the actual book. There's AMS, there's paid promos like ENT and Pretty Hot and uh, BookBub. So you can target the readers you want without lying or adding fluff to your keywords and your titles and your blurbs so that you show up in a search engine. Understood. Understood. Do do you think that... um... Do you think that the independent publishing or the indie publishing or the self-publishing, I know it goes under a lot of different titles. Do you think the independent or self-publishing game is going to change anytime soon? Do you see any waves coming because you've got a lot of work out there? I think change is coming, but I think it's going to be in a good way. Um, Right now, just like Amazon was plagued by uh, bots and inflation of page reads last year and they've tinkered with it a little more and they've tried to lock down on some of that some more and i think the waves that are coming are going to be trying to weed out those that are trying to abuse the system on all the platforms so they're just kind of uh cleaning house yeah okay i got you so what do you wish would change what is what's your biggest pet peeve about the indie publishing scene 
not, maybe not the culture or the society, but I'm talking about the, the actual process of, of getting your book up, getting it out, getting it in front of readers. What do you wish would be fixed, changed, made better? Really, there's nothing on the post-publishing side that I think needs to change. It's all pre-publishing side that needs to be tinkered. It's the culture itself, because so many people don't realize they do need a book that's edited properly. They do need a cover that actually hits the mark. They don't understand the importance of all this. And then they put it all up there and think it's magically going to sell. Everything after publishing, I think, is fairly straightforward. It's cause and effect. It's very streamlined. You have readers that prefer certain covers and covers change over time anyway. They're on about like a two to three year shift Mm -hmm. for certain genres. Uh, Sci-fi will always end up with spaceships on theirs, but the like the hot guy genre on romance, their covers have gone from clad to shirtless to now they're kind of coming back into being clothed more yeah i've kind of noticed that uh unfortunately i have to say that um as an artist i have looked at a gajillion covers and in the romance category they all kind of run the same (laughs) yep but that's because that's what readers want the hotter the guy the more they get clicks there you go that's a bit of wisdom for you right there um so what is your what is the one piece of advice that you would give to someone that's kind of new to this game? So uh, talk to me like I'm someone who just came in. I just wrote a book. I got my cover. I got it edited. Now what? What's the one thing that you tripped and stumbled on that you want to keep me from tripping and stumbling on? It's not a it's not a, a marathon. It is a lifelong commitment. You're not going to put it up there and think readers are going to come to it while you're writing the second one you have to push the first one and think of the third one and it's so many little parts that you have to find a system that works for you you have to know i need this amount of time to get it set up i need to start figuring out who to start contacting for arc reviews and do i want to do a book blog tour do i need to do an author takeover there's all these little pieces that everybody says you have to do you need to be able to take a step back and say what am i going to do consistently that fits who i am okay that was pretty much a home run yeah you knocked that one out of the park um do you do you ever dabble in audiobook at all not yet uh (laughs) It's on my to-do list, but it's not very high on that list. Gotcha. You just don't, you don't, uh, you do not see a way forward or you do not see a need for it, or it's just not something you're really interested in at the moment. It's not something I'm really interested in at the moment. What would you say to someone who, and I'm, I'm certainly not this guy, but what would you say to someone that says you have to have audiobook, you have to have the book blog, you have to have the print copy, you have to have the ebook. Uh, what do you say to those people that are just like, you must have all these things? There's a million paths to get anywhere in life. You don't have to be everywhere, but you have to be consistent where you are. Oh, that's really good, actually. You have to be consistent where you are. Um, so I guess the short and the sweet of this next question is 
why did you start writing in the first place? Oh, that's a very complex question because I've written since I was eight or nine years old. I remember we got our first computer and I remember writing before the computer, but I remember the computer wholeheartedly, big monster sitting on the desk, dial up that you never wanted to turn on because it was a piercing screech and trying to write a Western. I was so obsessed with Lamore and his Sackett series and Silver Canyon and Oh, the imagery was beautiful. And I always, I wanted to write like that. I wanted to take these, this imagination and put it on paper. And there was something about it. And that eight-year-old have some weird dreams. And that was mine. And I didn't really do a whole lot with it. I kind of kept it under the rug. And Every now and then, one of my parents would find a piece I wrote, and it wasn't exactly celebrated. We were a family that, you know, used our hands a lot. You know, you know, you got more reward for helping tend the animals, or reading was what you did when it was raining. It wasn't something you did when there was things that could be done. Tracking on and, that one. Yeah, I understand that completely. And then in high school... I was just nerdy enough. I fit in with the outcast. And I enjoyed writing because I didn't have to interact with anybody. And I, I got to have friends with the people I created. Nice. And college came and I still found it an escape. It was, it was this wonderful feeling every time that paragraphs flowed and Scenes came together, and then I got out of college and went to work, and I didn't think anything else about it. And I was feeling my creative need at work. I was coming up with science projects for parents on the fly. I was uh, framing pictures, and it was an organization met with a little bit of creativity as you figured out what colors worked with what and how they brought out picture components. And fast forward, and I have my second kid. And I'd become a stay-at-home mom. I'd always had something to do. And granted, kids take up a lot of time, but there was this need for that creativity that I'd always channeled into something else to come back. It, it needed a way to come out. And if I could crochet or knit or paint, it probably would have came out in one of those, but it went to the one thing that I've always done and that was right. Nice. Nice. So what, what do you, what do you think when you look back at that first major piece that you wrote that first book or that first um, short story or, or novella? The first one I published was cracked, but never broken. And it's the one that I wrote after becoming a stay at home mom. and. Every time I look back at it, I can see different parts of where I was, what I was dealing with, pushed into that to the point where if I didn't know myself, I would never have been able to pick out those little highlights, those little nuances to my mom's drinking and how she ran from things because it totally does not follow the in-your-face repertoire of it. It's this story of a guy 
who doesn't know how to deal with coming back home after being in the military and how everything at homes continue to move on and he can't just drop back into life. Mm, that's amazing. Do you like yeah. it still? Yes. <laughs> I still love that book. <laughs> that's kind of the test of time, isn't it? Like uh, we write something and then we go back and we look at that first thing that we wrote and we're like, um, you either love it or you hate it. So, I want to I want to jump a little off topic. It's still on topic, but it's a little off topic. Um, you appear to be like if anyone came to your Facebook page or anything like that, they would say that you enjoy video games, but you also enjoy manga or do you prefer anime? Both. They're totally different animals. It's like comparing Sailor Moon manga to Sailor Moon 90 style versus Sailor Moon Crystal. They are all three complete universes that only share one common element. You know, I definitely think that uh, the, the Japanese have, uh, have a gift for storytelling when it comes to, um, to hero stories. Um, I, I got to say, I'm not a fan of, of, uh, of some of the more uh, cutesy manga and cutesy anime. Uh, but I'm definitely a fan of the way that they write hero stories. It seems like they've got, um, they know how to deliver that one-two punch that really gets you invested in those characters and and really makes you hurt for them or cheer for them or feel their pain when they have pain. Do you feel the way that manga and anime is written and created has affected the way that you write? Everything I have ever interacted with, from the good to the bad to the indifferent, has affected the way I write. I might not be able to pinpoint exactly how it does, but every experience we have changes who we are. From a small scale to a large scale. And we don't always realize it when it happens. That's, that's pretty beautiful, actually. Do you, um, do you find yourself taking situations that you experience in the real world, like something that really has an impact on you and somehow migrating that emotion or feeling into what you are writing? Uh, sometimes I think some of the best ways to invoke emotion is to think of that one emotion in the extreme and how you felt in that moment from the way your fist clenched to the way you grit your teeth and suck in that breath, trying to contain it all. and then. Focus it into your character. How does your character get to that point? What is their breaking point? What is the point that they go from it's indifferent to they are happy to they are sad to they're angry? Because we almost always live in an indifferent state. And until we have that outside influence, we don't move out of an indifferent state. So piggybacking on that answer, um, you were you were speaking in in that answer you were talking about you know how you how you clench your fist how you take in that deep breath how you gnash your teeth um do you find yourself putting pieces of you into your characters or do you use other people or is everyone just completely fiction and you only bring in the emotion i think it would be really hard not to write a piece of yourself into any character Because you're taking these characters that 
they're nothing without your imagination. And your imagination is fueled by who you are, what you experience, how you interact with people, with objects. So even if they're not based solely on me or someone I know, there's still going to be a part of me in those characters. It might be just the emotion in one character. It might be a little tick in another. But there is not a way, I think, that you can write a good character and not have a piece of you. Okay. So, um, final string of questions. Man, you're, you're, you're knocking these out of the park. I'm, I'm serious. You're really killing it. Uh, so, these are going to be speed questions. Paper okay. Bo- paperback or ebook? Paperback. Long form, short form? Short. Why? Quickly. Because you have to be really careful with your word choice. Mm. It makes you think. Twitter or Facebook? Facebook. Facebook or Instagram? Facebook. (laughs) RPG or first person shooter? RPG. Why? Quickly. I don't like first person shooters. (laughs) (laughs) The last one I played was Borderlands. That's about as close as first person I'll get. Favorite RPG? Oh, God. Um. Diablo? Favorite book to date? Oh, Night Angel series, Brent Weeks. First book you ever read? The one I remember, Silver Canyon, but I think I read outside of like Dr. Seuss and Green Eggs and Ham and uh, Island of Blue Dolphins, I think came before Silver Canyon. Book that had the most influence on your writing? I have no clue person that has had the most influence on your writing my mom time in your life that has had the most influence on your writing adulthood (laughs) doesn't that do it for all of us i mean for all of us like seriously um okay um yeah i think that's pretty much it um so why don't you give us a a quick uh, a quick rundown of your contact information again just in case somebody's listening and can't look at their phone uh, run us through the contact info as far as uh, KH formatting and uh, and your book series that you want to draw people's attention to. Ready? Go. Uh, everything can be found from my website, carryholloway.com. Uh, from there, you can find uh, links to my Laughing Pity series, my Devil's Playground, my newsletter sign up, uh, any anthology or magazine I've been in. And my KH formatting is on there as well, along with uh, social media links to Facebook, Tumblr, uh, all those favorite spots. And uh, your book series? Uh, The newest one was Strings Attached. It's a sweet, clean romance between a comic shop owner and a music teacher. And it's available everywhere ebooks and paperbacks are sold. Fantastic. Okay, so... um... Final thing, you're, you're, you're getting ready to walk out the door and you're, you're in a room full of writers that are getting ready to all write their first books and you're getting ready to walk out the door and you're going to leave them with one piece of advice. What is it? If you're not writing, it's not getting done. Hallelujah to that. All right, guys, that was my interview with Carrie Holloway. I certainly hope that you enjoyed that and I hope that you learned something new from it. Uh, Make sure that you check the description for all the links that we talked about uh, and definitely go and check out any work that you're interested in by Carrie. Uh, 
yeah, this has been Writing Hacks. Uh, Check us out next time when we sit down with the owner of a publishing company.